Hey, everybody. Welcome in once again to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, longtime friend and colleague of mine, along once again breaking down Alabama's upcoming game against New Mexico State, a home game. We'll talk all about it. We're going to talk a little bit of Alabama hoops uh, in this edition of the Talking Tide podcast as well. Check us out on Twitter. Talking underscore Tide is the handle. Links to all our podcasts available there. You can also hear us at our web host at megaphone.com and as well, all the podcasting apps. We're on Facebook. We are on YouTube. We are on all of it here on Talking Tide. And we want to thank our sponsors really briefly. Uh, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and our corporate sponsor, DraftKings. More on them a little bit later in the program. Travis, Alabama preparing for their final non-conference game of the regular season against the New Mexico State Aggies. This is typically a game, historically anyway, Travis, that we see Alabama tee off uh, right before the Auburn game, right? It's usually maybe the third week of November where Alabama's uh, playing this game. Not the case this year, playing this game uh, a little bit early. Uh, so uh, it's not an Auburn tune-up. Uh, but nevertheless, with the Aggies sitting at one and eight and, and frankly having an awful year, it's a, it's a tune-up for somebody. Yeah, this, you know, it used to be in late November, it was kind of like Southern Conference Saturday around the Southeastern Conference. You'd see the Mercers and maybe the Western Carolinas and uh, Georgia Southern once upon a time when it was in the Southern Conference. They would infiltrate the league in late November for those big paychecks. It's a little bit reversed this time, though, because we saw Mercer, a Southern Conference team, back in September. So, New Mexico State kind of switching places uh, with Mercer compared to where we saw New Mexico State on Alabama's schedule a couple of years ago in 2019. So either way, it's a paycheck for the Aggies, what, nearly $2 million to come east. And I think it's the first of two in a row for New Mexico State against SEC competition. I believe NMSU has Kentucky a week from Saturday. They do. They do. Absolutely. You, you almost, if you're new and look, you, who knows, you never know how the schedule is going to break, but knowing now that they're sitting at one and eight and it's just been an awful season. You kind of, if you're New Mexico state, you hate to see the paycheck games at the end of the year, because it's just something not to look forward to as a football team, especially if you're going to have a bad year, you, you want to get them paycheck games out of the way early, right? Well, yeah, the athletic director, though, at NMSU, he doesn't think it's ever too late for a paycheck game. <laughs> That's right. He's trying to buy uniforms and things like that. But, yeah, um, you know, it is. It's a New Mexico State team that you said has eight losses. It's lone win of the season. It's gets an FCS team in South Carolina State. So uh, it's been traditionally a tough haul for this program for a number of of years now interesting aspect of new mexico state's schedule this season too is that it has played the same team twice in the same regular season played hawaii twice this mm. season once on oahu and then once in las cruces i guess that's the life of an independent these days right not many independents still out there other than notre dame but 
New Mexico State, which could benefit from this fallout around conferences in collegiate athletics with a lot of the movement anticipated here in the next couple of years and find itself in a CUSA or something of the like. Uh, what do you think they're getting from Kentucky paycheck-wise? Uh, a million plus or under a million, would you say? I would say it's a million plus. I, I would think, you know, they have sort of their their uh, their their price tag, so to speak. Um, I'd have to look into that, though. But yeah. I, I don't think they're coming to Alabama for 1.9. And understanding Kentucky football isn't Alabama football, but I don't think they're going to Lexington for less than than seven figures, do you? Probably a million plus, although you wonder sometimes. I mean, they, they've they got their price, but then again, there's the price when you're going to Tuscaloosa and there's the price when you're going to Lexington. I wonder I wonder how much leverage they've got with, with Kentucky. A million plus, yeah. But yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't surprise me if it's a pretty far cry you know, from 1-9. It's, it's, it's the FCS teams that get the smaller paychecks. It's yeah. the Mercers and – those teams that you see go for five, six hundred K. But if you want that, if you want that extra game that you need against um, FBS competition, it comes at a price. A little bit of discussion on the Alabama roster heading into this game. Travis Darien, Dalcourt day to day with that ankle injury at the center position. It was something that Nick Saban addressed in his Wednesday evening press conference. Remains to be seen whether Dalcourt is a go, but it sounds as though Chris Owens and Seth McLaughlin uh, are battling a little bit to to play that role if Dalcourt is not a go. Yeah, that was interesting from Nick Saban on Wednesday in meeting with the SEC media and then also where his post-practice comments are concerned on Wednesdays. He did say that there is competition ongoing. Obviously, Chris Owens... Uh, very much the edge and experience at that position. But, you know, Seth McLaughlin's a second-year kind of guy that, you know, when you look at him as much as anything, your thought has been he needs a little more time physically to get to where he needs to be uh, to compete. Uh, But with New Mexico State up next, if you're thinking this is a one-game situation, maybe you go ahead and give McLaughlin McLaughlin that look. And then – Perhaps you know that you're going to have Darian Dahlcourt back for Arkansas and Auburn. Um, If you're thinking big picture and you're thinking you're going to have to have a guy perhaps even for Arkansas in two weeks in place of Dahlcourt, maybe it's Owen. So that has now become one of the more intriguing storylines for Saturday. I think also if if you're Nick Saban and that offensive staff, you're not only looking at whether or not McLaughlin plays center better than Chris Owens in practice this week, you also got to consider, does McLaughlin play center better than Damian George plays right tackle, right? Yeah. Because if you decide to go with McLaughlin at center, you maintain the continuity of having Owens back at right tackle where he's played all season. Whereas if you go with with Owens at center, uh, then you're disrupted on that right side. You would think so, but Saban has sounded pretty positive in retrospect about the performance of George against LSU last Saturday night. So you wonder for Chris Owens that this is a situation where he could find himself on the outside looking in at At both spots. spots. I mean, I think the potential's there for that. And also when you talk about Owens at center, you even had exchange issues in the game at LSU between center and quarterback, both under center and uh, from the shotgun. So 
there's some things as a six-year senior, uh, as a super senior, that happened in that game. And understanding LSU still, as we talked about, very formidable in its front seven. Had some things happen, though, that just can't happen with a guy who's been around that long. Moving on to the tight end position, it was just a podcast or two ago, Travis, that you and I noted that it's been a little bit of a disappearing act for Jaleel Billingsley in the Alabama passing game. The highly talented tight end uh, has pretty much been in the Nick Saban doghouse uh, throughout the season. Saban asked about that on Wednesday night and pretty much said what he said all year about Billingsley is, is that he's He's not living up to the effort that he wants to see in practice, not playing as fast as he'd like to see him play, and therefore it's it's pretty much Cam Latou at tight end, and, and that's it. And it's a shame because they need a third guy, period, right now to go along with Jamison Williams and John Mechie. It doesn't matter if it's a wide receiver or a tight end. But before the season, if we would outline this scenario and said, you know what? We're going to get nine games into the season, and they're still not going to know who their third option is to go along with Williams and Mechie. I think we both would have been surprised because the anticipation certainly was that from a strong sophomore season, Billingsley would springboard into his junior campaign and perhaps be off to the NFL Mm -hmm. after his junior campaign. I don't think we can make any of those type of assumptions at this point, though. No, no, we can't. And honestly, I've... You know, I, I my first year covering Alabama football was Saban's first year in 2007. That's how far back I go. I know you go back even further than that. But looking back, Travis, I'm not sure I can think of a player who Nick Saban has um, questioned the effort on, frankly. I mean, if we're just going to use a few succinct words, that's what he's done consistently – over the course of a season like he has Billingsley. Now, there certainly have been times where we've heard say Nick Saban say this player or that player isn't giving us the effort that we want to see. But but I don't know if I can think of anybody other than Billingsley who has drawn that remark from Saban four times, five times from August to November. No, I agree. I think Christian Jones, if you recall, had that type of season. In 2014, I believe it was, there were big things expected for Christian Jones. And I don't think it was because of just a lack of effort at times. But you're right. In this particular instance, Nick Saban has said it now a handful of times in relation to questions about Jalil Billingsley. It just appears to be as much as anything, lack of focus, a lack of engagement, which again, given everything that Billingsley had there right in front of him going into the season, just doesn't make a lot of sense other than you and I both know all too well what it can be like in dealing with 18 to 22 year olds. We know that pretty well. No doubt. Certainly no reason to think that Jaleel Billingsley won't be back in 2022 uh, to give NFL scouts a little bit different impression. Yeah. If he's not back, It won't be because I would think because of the NFL. Right. And I'm not making any uh, uh, assumptions about his future or anything like that. Uh, He needs another, regardless of where he's at, he obviously needs another year of college football. Marcus Banks, the Alabama defensive back to the transfer portal this week. He's a guy who saw a little bit of action early in the season 
you see a lot of guys jump in that poor little Travis for sure. It's a busy place. Uh, you don't see a lot of guys jump in there at this in, in early November, right? Though the timing's a little odd, isn't it? It is, but he just watched Jaquincy McKinstry get a start at corner as a true freshman against LSU. Right. And that is different. You say, well, how's that different, you know, than earlier in the season? Well, it's different earlier in the season because at least against Mercer, Marcus Banks was making a start in that game as well, along mm. with Kool-Aid McKinstry. So maybe I would think that would have something to do with his thought process. I've always had Marcus Banks kind of on that Anthony Averett sort of career path and developmental physically needed to make some strides since coming in from the state of Texas. But I think this is a guy will be very popular in the portal. I think he has legitimate SEC ability, but you know, the way Alabama recruits and, you know, they should get back a guy or two from this starting duo that they're putting out there weekly to go along with Kool-Aid McKinstry. Um, They continue to recruit at a very high level. So, you know, maybe he sees the opportunity to go any number of places and walk right into a starting gig. Maybe a compensatory draft pick for Nick <laughs> for losing Marcus Banks, right? Yeah. Spreading this one, 51 and a half, Travis. Fat, fat number, Alabama over New Mexico State. The over-under, 67 and a half. Uh, the money line, OTB, <laughs> off the board. <laughs> Don't boys need not it. E- no, yeah. boys aren't even going there with that uh, with that money line. But uh, yeah, fifty one and a half, about as big a spread as you'll see in college football. Yeah, again, you look at New Mexico State and the season that the Aggies have had to this point. You know, there are still some things I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, you know, this is an Alabama, this is an Alabama offense and an offensive line and run game that needs a trip to sort of the health resort, health spa that this week should present. I think um, New Mexico State somewhere down around 100th in rushing defense uh, at the FBS level, so that should be a good thing for Alabama this week in terms of statistical production. Anyway, I don't know how much it gets them ready for Arkansas and Auburn coming in the next few weeks. And you know, also Jonah Johnson, the quarterback for New Mexico State, as bad as that team's been, he's had some football games this year that have been impressive. Threw for 425 and three touchdowns against Nevada a couple weeks ago and you know New Mexico State's going to put a lot of three and four wide receiver sets out there so I think for Alabama's secondary with an emphasis on its sub package personnel that has had more than a few breakdowns this season opportunity to clean some things up against an offense that will certainly throw it around a good bit plenty of dime plenty of dime looks for Alabama not just on third down I would imagine no no there'll be a lot of it'll be 11 and 10 personnel pretty much for New Mexico State throughout the game. And, you know, that also gives opportunities to Will Anderson and and Dallas Turner and that pass for us to try to get home uh, more than they have even in the last few weeks. Ticket man for this one, pretty much having to give them away, Travis. You, you remember when you were a kid, right? When you and I were kids and we would drop that fishing line in the canal and and you'd sit there for a half an hour with no bites and you'd pull it, you'd reel it in just to make sure the bait was still on the hook. That that's that's what my wife's doing with the fifteen dollar tickets. She trying to trying to move online. Got a pair for fifteen dollars out there for a couple of weeks now. Not a bite. Uh, no. but, the, but the but the bait is still on the hook. We keep checking, you know. Yeah, the the oldest, our oldest, the UA alum, 
uh, he's gonna he's gonna make the game. He's gonna use the tickets uh, this week. So no, it's it's one of those the ticket man might have to throw in a free brunch or two to Avenue <laughs> Pub to get That's you right. to take the tickets from him pregame this week. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Moving on, talking a little Alabama basketball with you here uh, for the first time this fall. The Crimson Tide opened their season against Louisiana Tech at Coleman Coliseum in blowout fashion. They win the game 93-64, to Travis. And Louisiana Tech uh, out of CUSA, not a bad team. They'll contend no. in that league. Uh, I, I thought this is a big win for Alabama. 24 and 8 team last year for Louisiana Tech. Third place team in the NIT. Had wins over Ole Miss, a loss to Mississippi State in the postseason last year. And look, you know, again, a, a solid team. And Kenneth Lofton Jr., the big guy in the post, certainly formidable, but about as perfect of an opener as you could have hoped for. Uh, if you're Nate Oates, maybe too good because you came out of that game on Tuesday night thinking, all right, what are the teaching points? What are the coaching points? And there really weren't many issues at all for this team. Uh, I guess turnovers you can always point to, 14 turnovers. But again, given the style of play for Alabama, that's not an extraordinary high number. Um, pretty much everybody with the exception, I think, of maybe Jason Holt. As far as scholarship players for Alabama um, that played in the game, scored a bucket. So, you know, Keon Ellis is a guy I love because he does everything with a high degree of effort, and he showed you he can be very efficient on the offensive end. It was fun to see Charles Bediaco, the big man, your big man, the big <laughs> man, good bread. You got you your know, good, you got your big man in there. Back to the basket. Back to the four. basket. Four fouls, though, in the first, uh, what, 22 minutes right. of the game? That's that's tough that's to swallow right. from, from a well, big man. But, yeah. yeah. First game, you know. First game. First yeah. game. Big man, good bread. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, everybody plays with a center, and centers are great. I love my centers. It's the four that I miss the most. Well, the uh, biggest thing these days is centers don't like to be called centers. You notice no. that? Uh, they all point, they're point center. They all want to be power <laughs> forwards. They're all fours, you know. Yeah, that's what they'll tell you. So, um, I'm re I, I'm resigned to the fact that Nate Oates has it going with his style of play. I th there is no arguing that he has absolutely turned Alabama basketball into a different animal, and and more power to him. Uh, all that said, and, and I I'm not advocating for '80s basketball. But oh, I will, you want Kevin McHale back. But, but, you want but I, a Kevin McHale in the post. I, I will continue to say, though, and this, and I'll bring it back up anytime I have to, that while I'm not saying you got to have a big power forward in, uh, starting anymore and playing 32, 34 minutes, no, go four guards. Go four guards. That's fine. But you better have that old school four on the bench somewhere. Travis, ready to play 15 minutes, right? Ready to play 20 minutes. Well, Juwan Gary gives you some of that. I yeah, mean, he he's does. not the classic four or the classic anything close to a five, but six of 10, 12 points last night, 10 boards, a double-double in 21 minutes. I love me some Juwan Gary. I love his his energy. I love how he you know cleans up a lot of things on the offensive glass. And, yeah. you know, Alabama did 
hold the rebounding edge by 14 in the game last night. And so, again, this team's going to take 30-plus threes per game. You're going to have to just learn how to deal with that good bread. Yeah. They made 13. If they shoot 40% from three on 30-plus attempts, they're going to win more often than not. And, you know, J.D. Davison in his debut, I was very impressed by the young guard and that, yes, he plays at a very high speed, but I don't get the sense with him that it's like my guy, James Hollywood Robinson, back in the day, who would play very fast, but also simultaneously play very much out of control at times. Right. J.D. Davison impressed me. I liked the way he played. Um, and so uh, there was just so many positives. And I think, you know, not a terrible test coming up on Friday night with South Dakota State making the trip south. The Jackrabbits. The Jackrabbits Jack Rabbit. coming down. I've been Winners over camp. Bradley. Winners over Bradley on uh, Tuesday night. I've I've been to that Jackrabbits campus. It's quite a place for sure. Uh-huh. I uh, only time I've ever been to South Dakota is when I ran up there to to do a story on a guy and uh, ran into the first and only eighty mile an hour speed limit I've ever seen. I didn't know an eighty mile an hour speed limit existed until I went to South Dakota and found out that you can run them eighty up there. There's some places up that way. I believe it's it the speed limit isn't even a number. It's reasonable. Reasonable speed. Yeah, yeah. Some of the signs read. I've been up through South Dakota and Wyoming and seems like even Arizona, maybe. Nevada, you might see some of that. Alabama basketball, though, once again, off to an outstanding start. We're going to be checking in on that Alabama basketball team uh, semi-regularly as Alabama continues through the football season. And, of course, at the conclusion of the football season, Travis and I will – begin honing in on the basketball team full-time here on the Talking Tide podcast like we've been doing for the last uh, five or six years. Going to thank a couple sponsors of the program here on Talking Tide really quickly. We're going to start out telling you about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley and that great staff of dental hygienists over there. Whatever your needs are dental-wise, family dental needs, they'll get you taken care of. The teeth whitening services, very popular. If you've got an event coming up, a wedding, anything of the sort, you need to get those teeth whitened up. They'll get you taken care of at North River Dental Associates. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments if you want to get those facial features tightened up. Dr. Jack can take care of you in that regard as well. Conveniently located, 1100 Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road. And they're going to get you in and out of that chair on a routine teeth cleaning in less than an hour, sometimes a lot less than an hour. I've been known to get in and out of Dr. Jack's on a routine cleaning in uh, 35, 40 minutes. And yet they do a thorough job at the same time, an outstanding job. You want to make an appointment over there, give them a call at 752-3506 or visit them online at northriverdentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. Dr. Jack is efficient in how he goes about his business as that uh, Keon Ellis stat line. That's right. Louisiana Tech, uh, 18 points on just seven shots. So, hey, I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier, also in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, entering its 15th year, in its 15th year of business there in Tuscaloosa. The champions of chocolate, Peterbrook Chocolatier, so many great, so many great treats to choose from. Of course, the chocolate popcorn ranks atop the list for a lot of folks. You still 
have a couple of home games for Alabama coming up these next few weeks on the football field. So you want to get those Alabama-themed treats as well. They're waiting for you right now at Peterbrook Chocolates here. And don't forget those Christmas orders, never too early. Need to go ahead and do that right now. 205-752-0211. Peterbrook Chocolates here. Finally, going to tell you a little bit about our corporate sponsor, and that is DraftKings, promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network. Hey, if you want to jump online, take a swing at the man. The DraftKings Sportsbook is the way to do it. The official sports betting partner of the National Football League. New customers who bet just $1 on an NFL team this weekend can earn $100 in free bets. You absolutely cannot beat that. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on either team to score. Win $100 in free bets. You can't beat it. It's the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with that, we move on. As we always do, Travis, take a quick look around SEC football for the coming week. Uh, not a lot of great matchups. Probably, Travis, the at least the most appealing matchup to me anyway. Probably A&M at Ole Miss. Is that the best-looking game on the board yeah, to you? Yeah, that's a big one in terms of the SEC West to have any chance to stay alive in the division race. Both those teams need a win, and you know, A&M still in pretty good shape with that win over Alabama. And so A&M is able to win out here. And this is probably, I would say for sure, the biggest obstacle for the Aggies in doing just that. You still have LSU down the road. Uh, Alabama slips up against an Arkansas or an Auburn, and there's A&M in the SEC championship game. And so a lot of things still to play out in these last few weeks. And this is a big one in the West. Yeah, Alabama obviously uh, ahead of A&M by virtue of only having one conference loss, A&M with two. Ole Miss, on the other hand, uh, just a conference loss, but it's head-to-head to Alabama. Basically puts them both behind Alabama by a game, essentially. Uh, but the Ole winner Miss of that – two, though. Ole Miss lost to Auburn a couple no, that's of Saturdays right. ago. That's right. Yep. Yes, yes. It's an outstanding correction. Not the first that you've had to no, uh, impart just, on me here on Talking Tide. The scenarios uh, are such that, again, it's critical. You know, and look, the game in Knoxville isn't critical to the SEC East in terms of the championship race, but I'm still interested in that game because you're going to talk about dynamic, explosive offenses really in the second half of the season. Tennessee's been at the top of that list. Can they do any of that against right. that Georgia defense? I'm, I'm very fascinated by that matchup. I don't know about you. I think I like Texas A&M on the road. I've not been great picking SEC West games this year. I seem to be having a little bit more luck picking them in the East. Uh, but I'll take A&M on the road here. Uh, Ole, Miss is, Ole Miss is explosive. There's no question they will score. Beat up. Beat up, though, beat aren't up. they? Yeah. Beat I'm up with you. On, on, at several spots, especially that offensive line. I, I ran over Oxford. beat up. Corrales beat up, Saturday. yeah. I went there for the Liberty game to see Willis and, uh, and the Corral and that whole matchup. 21 scouts in attendance there. 
uh, including five from the Denver Broncos. That tells you a little bit about what they think of their quarterback situation right now. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk in Oxford about that offensive line, how beat up it is. I I don't think either one of their starting guards was a go for that Liberty game. Of course, they still managed to, to blow them out. But definitely beat up on that side of the ball are the Ole Miss Rebels. South Carolina at Missouri, Mississippi State at Auburn, Georgia at Tennessee, and Arkansas at LSU. Any of those, Travis, grab you at all? Yeah, again, I'm looking forward to Georgia-Tennessee just because I want to see if Tennessee can produce some semblance of the explosiveness that we saw just as recently as last Saturday night in Lexington when they had 270-plus yard touchdown passes against your Wildcats in the first quarter of that 45 to 42 win. So George is the real deal. We all know that there's no questioning that with an emphasis on the defensive side of the ball. So I, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see Hendon hooker and that Tennessee offense against Nicobe Dean and that Georgia defense. Going to be fun for sure. And that will do it for this edition of the talking tide podcast on the pigskin podcast network. Be sure to join Travis and I this weekend. We'll be taking a look back at Alabama's home game against the New Mexico State Aggies. Look forward to talking to you then right here on Talking Tide.